G'day everyone and welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. G'day everyone, welcome to today's show. I'm joined as always by Ajmal and we've got a special guest, Peter Thompson. G'day Peter, how are you today? Hey Matt, how are you doing? Very well. Run Like Hell by Pink Floyd. Ajmal, do you know the song? do, great song, great album. Chosen and you know, obviously I learnt about it in his. I learned about it in history at school. Obviously, I you know I wouldn't have known it at the time. But um, but great song. <laughs> uh, what, what what made you choose it, Pete? Oh, I'm just a big Pink Floyd fan since I was a kid. You know, my parents used to really like Pink Floyd. Um, I just remember driving around our little island, the Cove, in a Peugeot two hundred five GTI with "Run Like Hell" <laughs> on the tape deck, and that's uh, um, just some good times. Fantastic. Oh, so do you say on the tape deck? Tape deck. Yeah, cool. I'm pretty sure, from my memory, Pink Floyd, The Wall, double tape. Mm. You used to get it, in the, you know, yes. it came as two cassettes because it was a double yeah. album as well on vinyl. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Take a punt, oh, Ajmal. What year do you reckon? What year do you reckon that came out? Uh, oh, no, 80. Close, 79. One year off. Yeah, yeah. nice. 79. Nice. Yeah. I'm a pretty big Pink Floyd fan. I was going to have a Pink Floyd song as an upcoming tune, and I may still very well have. <laughs> Uh, but I, I didn't really get into them till about 85. You know, it, as, a, as a band, my, we had all the records at home. I listened to it, especially the really early kooky stuff, yeah. you know. And um, speaking of which, I think Nick Mason's coming to Perth. Nick Mason's coming, yeah. That's yeah, great. I thought he was playing the early stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's bringing his car collection. No, but we could talk to him about it. Maybe we, should, oh, we could get him on the podcast <laughs> as well. What do you think? That would be amazing. Oh, my God. That would be well, stunning to get him on. Yeah, we'll see, we can see, we'll see if we can get him to bring his GDO over with him. Yeah, yeah, okay. sure <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I went and saw Pink Floyd in concert at Sydney Entertainment Centre. I reckon it would have been about, whew, 88. It would have been around that time. I went two nights in a row because I bought a ticket and that after seeing it, I was blown away how good it was. The next day I just went to the Entertainment Centre again because they played like two days there. And, and I just went, I was outside, and I thought I'd just listen to it from the outside because I just couldn't believe how amazing the whole experience was. This is that delicate Sound of Thunder tour back yeah, then. Yeah. And, um, oh, wow. It got some, and I got a Pink Floyd T-shirt on from the day before, and the guy says, you got a ticket? And I said, no, I don't have a ticket. He goes, yeah, look, there's still seats available. Just come on in. So it was the second day I didn't pay. <laughs> it was amazing. And then it would have been about, I reckon about three or four weeks later, no, it was the next. It was the next time they came to Australia. They played at Fremantle Oval. Oh wow! And there's a big high story high rise car park next to us, Mel. So I just went to the car park at the very top level and watched it over the fence. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> That's my picture. Oh, I love story. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, why have we got Pete here? I hear you ask. I know why. Oh, you do know. Yeah, because I need to ask him about my broken air conditioning. We're going to come to the aircon. That happened yesterday. We're going to come to the aircon. <laughs> that happened yesterday. But I feel like we've, I've just been dying to have one of these episodes where I could start the episode with an Englishman, an Irishman, an Australian yeah. walk into a podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. We've been saving up the line all week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, sorry, look, what you've done now that's brilliant yeah yeah so pete you are a motor mechanic who has an independent porsche repair shop yes i do a purely porsche that's my um 
independent repair shop I opened up this year. Great. That's and um, tell us how you got into Porsche. Well, it goes back a long time, mate. I mean, I've always been into cars all my life. So, um, you know, rally is huge for me. At a young age, we used to always go rallying back in Ireland, drive to England, follow Colin McRae around the place. And, you know, I was just absolutely love it. But Porsche wasn't so big in Ireland. You know, we had all the Escorts and Cosworths and sure. all that kind of old school stuff. Um, I came to Australia maybe 2008, I think. Uh, I was working for Ferrari for a while in Australia. Um, and I was kind of on the rally scene doing a bit of Porsches on the side and stuff and just got a job in all, um, uh, Porsche Centre Sydney South. I got a job there as a workshop manager. And um, yeah, I just kind of fell out of Ferrari love and into Porsche love, you know. Um, just got through a lot of training on the cars and, you know, I was kind of in management so I was could send myself in training courses and yeah, yeah, great. pick and choose what I wanted to do, go to the racetrack, do a lot of motorsport. Um, yeah, just to love... Yeah, just fell in love with it, man, and just kept on going, so... Yeah, fantastic. And um, during that time at Sydney South there, Borussia Centre Sydney South, Ajmal, for reference, the, I think there's three, two or three Porsche dealers in... Yes, three in Sydney. Three in Sydney, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for perspective, there's only one in Perth, you know what I mean? So, it's a, about reflective of the population size. It's about one dealership every two million people there and about, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, wow. The, the, at Sydney South there, tell me what was the, uh, in that era that's nine, getting into 997 stuff there working on? Yeah, so it would have been, yeah, the end of Gen 1, 97, start Gen 2, 997s. Yeah, um, yeah. 991 was kind of, you know, making, you could kind of see the sunlight of the Imminent, 991, yeah. 991, sorry. Um, and yeah, it was good times. We, we had a really good team there. Um, some top guys and really passionate about it, you know. And, um, I love electrical problems, I love falls, I love issues and stuff. So we found ourselves kind of, you know, butting our heads together and, and doing a lot of good stuff. So, Fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. And with on the, on the motorsport and the uh, Porsche-specific type of uh, factory type of stuff, what with the courses and things, did you go to Germany to do those courses or were they done locally? Or? No, they were done in Melbourne. Um, oh, yeah, Porsche Centre Melbourne, yeah. Porsche Centre Melbourne. Uh, well, it was more... Porsche Cars Australia, we're doing the... Um, yeah, yeah, okay. They're based out training the same courses. Place. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're down in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a lot of... Uh, we've done, just done training with them. and We do weekends away then. Um, Mick Mitchell for course motorsport. Um, I used to work for Mick on the weekends. So we used to go to Phillip Island. We used to sure. go Queensland and just go around um, just mechanicing for Mick, you know, and just learning a lot more about setup and, you know... And what type of car is Mick driving? Ah, oh, there was everything made. There was GT3s made. We we done everything from Radicals the whole way through ah, to, yeah, okay. to, to Porsches. So mm-hmm. it was just all, um, um, yeah, just weekend warrior stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yep. it was good. And um, after Sydney South, what, where where'd you move on to after that? After, after Sydney South, I actually set up my own business because I was Ferrari trained as well. So opened up a Porsche and Ferrari shop in um, Alexandria in Sydney. Um, it didn't go too well. Okay, just oh yeah okay yeah it didn't go too well because um there was a demolition clause on the building we were having our first kid ah um, yeah, yeah okay. and yeah we we, we just yeah, it was just super expensive at the time um and grant from auto house hamilton we kind of knew grant and uh, grant was always kind of like yeah, you gotta come up work for us and stuff so i went up to grant in dy um and yeah i started working as a mechanic there and then i ended up running his shop for him um, and I learned a, an awful lot of Grant, you know. Grant is, yep. yeah, Grant's up there, you know, he's one of the best guys around, so. Just for reference, for listeners and for Ajmal, Auto House Hamilton is a Porsche-specific. Porsche specialist in Sydney, yeah. yep. Probably one of the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a massive place, Ajmal, you got to see it. I mean, it's just because I've heard people talk about it, and I've read a little bit about it. Many people have spoken about it, especially, you know, the Porsche cold scene. Oh, yes. Um, but just to, when you're talking, but when you're talking about your journey, Pete, and obviously, you know, you hear tons of people who've got onto the air cold thing, bought a Beetle when they were 17, Mark, that happened to you. And then you've kind of progressed to Porsche. I've never heard somebody move from Ferrari to Porsche. <laughs> how, I was, I was how, how does to. that happen? How did you? 
how did you move from because obviously you were working on Ferraris and Ferraris is exotic brand and you know everybody talks about it very emotively uh, but then for you to how did you suddenly sort of fixate on what what was there one thing that happened or one experience that you had or was it poster um, on the wall what made you go from one brand to the other well not really um you know Ferrari was really good I, I was I was pretty much the head technician of Ferrari Sydney um for a long time uh, done all the training in Maranello you know, I've been there many times, done heaps of stuff with them, and, you know, I've done, I done really well with them. I just didn't really like the politics um, in mm. Ferrari, to be honest. Um, As a brand or where you worked or just... Just, just where I worked, it was very, yeah, okay. you know, it was a big dealership with a lot of stuff going on, and, you know, it was it was difficult enough. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the Porsche job came up, it was a workshop manager, it was kind of off the tools and stuff, so... I said I'd take it and, you know, it just, I was very lucky, you know, and, and it went from there and it just, everything kind of happened from then on. I mean, I think it was, I was only about a year into my role in Porsche Centre Sydney South and um, a guy called Jan Kalmar was coming from um, Europe and he wanted to set a world record driving around Australia in a Porsche Cayenne and, um, you know, he flew to Karen from Denmark Porsche sponsor, all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, he came to the workshop and uh, one guy was supposed to fly from New Zealand and he had a cameraman from the UK and and Jan himself. But um, the guy from New Zealand, he had dental problems and he couldn't he couldn't get on the flight, so the seat was free. <laughs> Did you say dental problems? <laughs> yeah, he had issues with his dental problems and he, they wouldn't let him fly or oh, his doctor wow. wouldn't let him fly. And, um, oh my goodness there's a message there kids make sure you floss yeah I think so yeah. yes so basically yeah he, he he was just in the workshop with his hands in his head going oh you know how are we going to find a driver you know we need someone experience and I was just standing there with my hand in the air right in front of him saying look <laughs> <laughs> look no further mate I'm here and um, it was difficult explaining to my boss at the time where I was just going to drop everything and leave for six days and drive around Australia but I don't think... Hang on, hang on. He drove around Australia in six days. Yeah, less than six days, so... Um, it's like 20,000 Ks. Yeah, so basically... Um, was it Cannonball Run or something? No, <laughs> it was more... Um, it was supposed to be a world record attempt, you know? So he does the longest drive, so he does all through Europe, you know, f- the whole way down from North Cap, the whole way down to South, South Africa. He does all these big, huge, massive drives in Cairns, Porsche Cairns. And, um, yeah, I just said, look, you know, I'll do what I'd love to do at 100%. So we got into Caramit and left from Sydney, went to Highway 1, up north, um, the whole area on Australian Highway 1 in five days, 18 hours, 13 minutes and 13 seconds, nonstop. Wow, so hot. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> it was painful. It's legal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't get recognised at the end um, because um, I think our average speed was a bit too high. Um and I don't think it's ah, yeah, okay. called for, you know, because, you know, you're in the middle of the Queensland and there's sure. 1,000 kilometres, you know, you're going to be doing 120, 130. But, yes, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I mean, it was very fast. We got stuck in a field for five hours up in far north Queensland, you know, in a big bog and a big clay field. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. We, wow. Yeah, we, um, it, was a, it was a very tough time because I've never had... Sleep depression, I've never had anything like that in the car because it was just full on, like swapping drivers and driving, swapping drivers and driving, and it was a fully modified can. Big fuel tanks in the back and stuff like that? Yeah, extra 200 litre tank on top of the standard one, um, <laughs> full roll cage in the back, everything taken out, little mini kitchen, a bucket seat in the back so you could harness yourself in and sleep, and we would just keep continuously revolve around people. Left-hand drive, of course. I bet it sounded like more fun at the start than what it was like three days in. Uh, I kind of knew what I was in for, you know. I, I needed to kind of go and do that, I think, that time of my life. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but it was blooming hard. And, um, yeah, we, we became good friends afterwards. And um, I went on to doing some other magical things with him and Porsche afterwards. So, What, what do you do after that with him? Uh, so after that, mate, we... You know, I finished that drive, just went back to work, you know, I moved to Perth from Sydney because we had our first child, Jack, and then we moved to Perth. Um, 
And basically, I got a phone call one night, and it was Jan, Jan Kalmer again. And uh, he would say, look, Porsche are after launching this um, uh, this new Porsche World Expedition they want to do in 2018. They want to bring 10 KNs around the world in 80 days. And um, we'd like you to be the mechanic for it. And, um, you know, Porsche's top 100 customers. Yeah. Pre-production cars, like, you know, sounds fantastic altogether. Like, you know, so I literally had to give him an answer there and then. So he said, look, I'll give you five minutes. You'll give me an answer. And I'm saying, hang on a second. Because I've got someone else on the list who will call after you. (laughs) So my poor wife, like, you know, God bless her. She's, I just said it to her and she just said, look, you know, our son was quite young at the time. And um, she just goes, look, you love it. Like, you know, of course you can do it. So um, our first trip was uh, from Queensland to Perth through the Simpson Desert. Yeah, okay. And um, in 10 Porsche Cairns and... You know, jacked up, 13 millimeter bash plates, spare like spare wheels on the roof, a couple of shovels and spades. And yeah, yeah. Took him through the desert, mate. Took him through the center and um, blew him in hell, you know. It was, it was, <laughs> the yeah. truck, had the trucks go in it? Oh, mate, it was so hard. It was so hard. I mean, it was like, you know, um, going through that desert, we'd done 500 kilometers in two and a half days, I think. Oof. Yeah, that's hard going. Yeah, it was hard, mate. It was a lot of digging and a lot of fixing, a lot of ABS faults, a lot of research and development, basically going back to the factory because there were pre-production cars. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, after, wow. Yeah, after we'd done that, mate, it was off to Europe. And then we went down from North Cap the whole way down to Champagne in France and then over to the west coast of France, the furthest yeah, part yeah. of the west coast. I can't remember the name of it, to be honest, but... Um, so that was all very high speed driving, um, autobahn, like 260 kilometers an hour kind of a thing. And I had a two and a half ton car full of everything trying to keep up with everyone. So, <laughs> um, it was quite eventful. Um, it was quite eventful. We went to Africa then after that. And, um, I went to Johannesburg for a month, um, preparing the cars again for Africa. And, um, a lot of politics happened at that time. Ah, uh, okay. And it. Pulled the pin on it. Did uh, they? They pulled the pin, yeah. Wowza. So, yeah, so it, um, that all stopped and um, I got the call then again. <laughs> Another year and a half afterwards with Jan, he opened up his own company with um, 10 classics and a couple of cans and wanted to do the Alps. So he said, you know, we'll drive over the Alps and we we'll go from Stuttgart to Monaco and literally over the Alps. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Up and over, mate. So all these cars were Again, fully prepared, you know, 964s and a couple of cans, but it was just you know, down to Monaco and extraordinary time. It was very hard work. And then we turned around to Monaco and then went back to uh, Stuttgart. You didn't get to just swan around on someone's yacht for a few days? No, we drove the Formula or we drove the rally track, the WRC track, going yeah, down yeah. to Monaco. Then mm-hmm. we'd done the Formula One track. And then we pulled up into a hotel for five days, so I had five days to rebuild the cars to drive back back again. So me and Jan spent five days so calling when, around the place. When you say over the Alps, are you talking about about eighty percent off road? Off road, yeah. So they're safari type yeah, yeah, nine elevens. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about here? Jacked up, half a cage. Yeah, yeah. Bit of comfort to them, air conditioning, um, you know, extra long suspension, um, big bash plates underneath, roof racks. All the bits, you know, so we were literally like, I'm not talking pebbles and gravel. I'm talking mountains, like, well, so, yeah, uh, okay. we were up where there was uh-huh. motorcycles, big, massive, high four wheel drives. And they're just looking at us going, what are you guys doing? You know, <laughs> but we made it, mate. we done it. We went down and back. And um, that was last year. That was last July and August. And then in October 22, we went to South America and we've done... From Lima to Ushuaia, and it was 12,000 kilometers over the Andes <laughs> to Bolivia, Peru, wow. um, Argentina. And um, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Is that right? Yeah, without a, without a doubt. But you wait till your kids are teenagers and then we'll talk about what was the hardest thing yeah. in your life. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but that's, this, this is now. <laughs> I was just going to say the first time you, you did it and it was the Cayenne. The Cayennes were new then, were they? Yeah, the Porsche Cayennes were new the first time. Um, they were, they weren't launched yet. Um, so they were kind of a pre-production car. Um, 
but we had a lot of issues with them at the start, you know. Um, but then the nine six fours were, you know, thirty years old, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised. Sorry, I'm surprised they put the the KNs through that sort of um, testing through the Simpson Desert, like you said, when really all they've got to do is pick up kids from school. Yeah, I know, but mate, customers are paying for it too, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a customer experience, you know. Um, it was kind of around the world in eighty days. That's yeah, 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 yeah. The whole yeah. thing about it. Yeah, but we'd um, we're supposed to do South America. We're supposed to do another few. It was the six continents we were supposed to do, but it just got it got canned half. Yeah, strange. okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Someone ran out of money, huh? No, they didn't. It's just a lot of politics in it, and uh, yeah, okay. it's not really my place to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just uh, I was just a mechanic, you know. So. Let me do an ad quickly. Today's show is sponsored by Kuoi Kyoto, a watch brand that was established in the historic Japanese city of Kyoto in 2020. The brand was created with the vision of appealing a classic design from Kyoto to the world. They want people from around the world to enjoy high quality classic design watches made in Japan. If you're looking for style, not fashion, then the designs from Kuoi will appeal to you the same way Porsche designs appeal. I wear a Kuoi watch every day and personally love the simplicity, design and quality of a handmade Japanese watch. If you're looking for a mechanical, automatic or quartz movement, they've got you covered. They support us on this channel, so please support them. Right now, all watches purchased from Kuoi come with a complimentary second wristband. So please check them out at kuoi-en.com. That's k-u-o-e-en.com. Check them out. So, Ajmal. Yes, um, I was just going to ask because, uh, Pete, when you first did that and the Cayennes were kind of pre-production and they said, oh, you're going to be working on these Porsches that are you've probably never seen before. What did you think about that, especially when you didn't know? Because, you know, when Porsches are launched, they sometimes have these inherent issues that get ironed out over a period of time. But you were going to see them in real time happening you know, as the factory probably hasn't seen them and, and having to deal with them, but not in a workshop. How did that feel? I mean, you must have had that in the back of your mind thinking, oh my God, what have I let myself in for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we didn't know the, at the time there were new cars, so we didn't know anything about them basically. Um, but we learned pretty fast, <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of, I know how to use the computers and the testers and I've been trained with, with all the computers and testers. So I think, you know, it's just a bit more common sense and common knowledge when it comes to problems. It doesn't matter what kind of car it is. It's all, it's all the same kind of stuff, but How, different terminology. Did they, they, did they come with space? Like, did they have, like, you know, drive shafts and... Credit card. <laughs> is that right? No. They had a credit card, mate. So before, before we done it, they flew me to Estonia um, for a weekend, for a meeting, and I came from Perth, landed in Estonia, six foot of snow, you know, I'm just there for three days in a hotel, and all the team are at a meeting, planning this whole trip, what do we do, and how do we do it, um, you know, we bring certain amount of small spares, but you just got a credit card, and if they roll a car, if they wreck a car, if whatever happens, go to the closest Porsche dealership, buy him a car, get the other one out, you know, that's that's kind of how, how it was working. That it was a customer experience and they wanted it to work and that was it. So yeah, okay. it was it was a bit crazy. Um, luckily, nothing like that happened and we were able to fix everything. You know? Yeah, fantastic. We broke a sump in the middle of, Magnus Walker actually broke a sump in the middle of the desert and um, we done a few uh. suspension, blew up suspension and things and it just fixed it, mate. It was, Didn't didn't Magnus mention he picked up a car here in Perth and drove it back the other way or something like that? Maybe after the expedition he might have, yeah. I sort of remember something. Yeah, he like did. That. He mentioned something like that on when he was a guest about, you know, being, coming to Perth and yeah. going to the Porsche Centre and they gave him a car and he drove it back to Sydney or something like that. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines anyway. Yeah, he did. When you, when you, when you got to, when you did the Stuttgart to Monaco and you said you were in Monaco for five days, to rebuild the cars, what what did that entail? I mean, were you just locked in a workshop for twenty four seven rebuilding, like beating up engines? Uh, me and Jan, in fairness, the owner of the company, you know, he's <clears throat> as painful as he is. He's a good guy, you know. Like um, he didn't just leave everything on my shoulders. So 
basically yeah in the hotel like the hotels we stayed in are the best hotels in the world by the way they, they stay in the top hotels yeah so in monaco when there's 10 cars outside the hotel and we're bringing them in and out of the basement four o'clock in the morning bashing bash plates and straightening bottom arms and taking out power steering pumps and stuff we were spending a lot of money to stay there, I reckon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds like you uh, travel with a big hammer when you're doing these jobs, mate. Oh, mate, like, you know, because the, the, they're 13mm bash plates underneath, so they get absolutely smashed. Like, Half so. inch. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. Some, that's some heavyweight bash plate. But you have to, you know. Cause, and, and it's good for them to move, because if they move, it doesn't break anything in the car. Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of pulling the car apart kind of a mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, and they covered a whole lot of the underside of the car, so they were an absolute nightmare to get on and off yeah so you're lying under the car and there's no such thing as a vehicle hoist you know you jack them up you put accent stands under them yeah yeah you know you do what you can to fix it so it was a good adventure it was just pure rally style you know you but in monaco we you know we got all the bits needed porsche centers were really good you know yeah and a lot of friends and customers who had workshops and stuff so um we were able to fix everything and drove back to stuttgart up back in reverse and um Made it. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, did you take a different group back? Is different group back? Yeah. Okay. So it's a customer program. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But there, but there must be a there must be a, a Porsche dealership per uh, every ten people in Monaco, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hope so. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one store. No one stocks classic stuff, though. That's the problem. And the KNs kept blowing up suspension. Ah. You know. Yeah. Oh, continuously yeah. airbag suspension. So mm-hmm. they were driving at all angles, mate. It was. It was full on. Classic. Wow. Anything See, I've thought about buying one. No, you should. They're good. You have not me. thought about buying one. No, no, but I, I, yeah, but I was going to do the old buy the cheapest one and see what happens, and everyone goes, no, it's going to be insane. It's nuts. <laughs> cheap to buy, not cheap to keep. <laughs> exactly. Because they're like two and a half thousand pounds over here. It's, yeah, they, they, they shouldn't be. They should be giving you two and a half thousand in the car. Yeah, that's probably a reason. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a reason. There's a reason why they're that much. You just got no, just stay away from it. I, I, I get the appeal though, because I occasionally see like a, a cheap generation one turbo for like 18 grand or 20 grand with like 200,000 Ks on it and go, yeah, you know what? Even if it only lasts six months, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Leaving those big black marks on the road everywhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I saw a really old. There's a there's a quite an old first gen one that the UK dealership has, and they've kind of safari'd it. Yeah, yeah. And it looks quite cool uh, for just having a play in. I would not want it to be my everyday car, though. <laughs> Definitely not. It's be awful. I just want to go on the record here to let listeners know that Ajmal is talking about buying an SUV. Everyone, he's historically been anti SUV. <laughs> Yeah, Every maybe he should come he on a trip with us around the world in a couple of cans and it might change his mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that'd be, I think that'd just confirm my view that they're terrible cars. But they're not, you know, no one uses them for off-road. I live in a tiny village with tiny streets that are thousands of years old. And, you know, you get a Cayenne or, or a Range Rover or uh, Audi, you know, Q7 or something coming the other way like it should have its own postcode. And you're there in your tiny hatchback or in my Porsche 912 and you think I'm just going to get driven over but no because the person driving in it doesn't want to get it dirty they don't want to take it near the hedge they don't want to and you're and you're the one who's ending up in the hedge that's that's why I have my biggest problem with them I like a Land Rover I like an old Land Rover that's purely made for going off-road but not not the SUVs that aren't very good on-road cars they're not very good off-road cars I like it I like it to be good at what it does I've been looking at early Defenders lately very nice. No, I just yeah. Haven't bought one. And no, I haven't bought oh. one yet. <laughs> I'm running out of garage space and driveway space and storage space. So <laughs> the combination of those three don't add up to another car. Not right now. I have all of those problems apart from I have no storage space. Uh no with driveway space because I've got the driveway. My my dro- broken pickaxe is in it, and uh, I have no money. So you know, it's <laughs> triple whammy. He cries poverty the whole time. Yeah, he's got an Eng- English accent, but deep down, I think there's some Scottish in there. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah. oh it's just you know i am bro- i am broke it's genuine i've only i'm down to one coffee a day when i go out to the coffee shop i don't even buy coffee at a coffee shop each day <laughs> no I, I do every day because it means i get out of the house and i walk down maybe the road that's why i've got the garage and you don't it could be but i don't know if three pounds 15 a day is gonna create a garage Oof, that sounds like over a thousand pounds a year to me no, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> doing the maths. Yeah, that would be, see it, yeah. But that no, no, I'm just, I'm just going. That would be so. That would be 25 years yeah, yeah, before right. I could get the base for the garage done. <laughs> that's, that's okay, Ashbel. By then, you'll probably have get to the point where you're going to have to wash one of your cars anyway, right? True, and I may have downloaded my consciousness into a machine by then. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to live forever. Um, but, we, we, but, don't say that. The listeners are going to think we're GP chatting this whole episode. <laughs> Honestly, everything's chat GPC at the moment. You see something on LinkedIn, you see an email, you see a marketing thing, and you look at it and you go, that's chat GPT. You know it is. It's just <laughs> everyone's just gone lazy. They're just making you know stuff up. So, so um, it's like lazy it, content for podcasters just saying everything's done like that. I know. Whereas, where, whereas, where you know, it's it's off the cuff. It's it's, it's just on. keeping it real. Let's talk about what you've done in your car this week. This week, well, I've driven it, but which one? Um, nine nine six. It's it. Well, well, on, yeah, the nine nine six. It was a uh, it was torrential rain. We had like three months worth of rain and half a day on Friday. Well so done. it's Monday now. On Friday, just gone, and. Um, so the roads were flooded, but the following day in the afternoon, it was sunny and I'd forgotten about the rain. So I thought I'm going to take it out for a spin because I haven't been out for about 10 days. Uh, I went out and the air conditioning is humming or hissing, humming or hissing. Um, and that's just suddenly started. But otherwise, it was a fantastic drive. So you had to inflate the tyres again and all of that because it's, it's been stationary for so long. But I haven't been able to take it out for a while because... I know you're in Australia and things over there are different, but I got bitten by a spider. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and it got infected and I'm now on antibiotics. So um, I haven't been feeling great this week. So the other thing I put on Instagram about my temperature being a bit yeah, high, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was as a result of having that spider bite. And I carried on as normal. It, turned into, it was on my leg, turned into a big lump. I took some antihistamines. It came down a bit. And I just thought, it's just an insect bite or something. Went to the doctors and he went, no, that looks like a spider bite. You need to be on antibiotic. Because my leg was really hot and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to get a sepsis. I'm going to get my leg cut off. Uh, so, so I went to the doctor. So I'm on antibiotics now. The leg is a lot better, but I feel rough. I haven't been on antibiotics. I think I've only taken them once as an adult. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it, really. I've never had indigestion before. Mm. So have you guys had indigestion before? I've never had it before. So I took them and the one day I'm just, I, you have to take them on an empty stomach and I just get this feeling of a lump in my chest and I think, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. And uh, I, I Googled it and then I started Googling the side effects of this and it went indigestion. And then I Googled the, side, the symptoms of indigestion. I went, me, is that what indigestion feels like? <laughs> So, yeah, it was, uh, life. you say you know you you just mentioned you got bitten by a spider, right? Yeah, I know, I know what you're gonna say. Five minutes, not lying here. Five minutes bef- before Pete gets here, I thought because he messaged to say is going to be a bit earlier, right? So I thought, oh, I better pull my finger out. We're going to be better going to have a shower, sharing outside. Got to normally share outside the cold shower outdoors, right? And as I'm thinking, oh, jeez, I'm bitten up back around here. Pete's going to turn up, going to be in the nud. That's not that's not something that he doesn't wants to see, right? So. As I'm, as I'm trying myself quickly, ran inside, stood on a bee. A bee? No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Mate, it's just, Ouch. Ah! Holy shit. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say it was one of those big, the, the spiders in Australia that, you know, eat your children and pets. Yeah. <laughs> one <laughs> of those you, a bit new. T- hey, I'll tell you a good practical joke I did. My, my daughter does not like spiders a little bit. Not even this much, right? Does not like spiders. 
I've got an outdoor shed just sort of under the roof and I'm in the garden shed. I was going to say, careful what you say. This is going to, like, this is going to sound like parental cruelty. No, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huntsman, right, on the... You know a huntsman spider is? Huntsman? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. So it was about as, big, it was about as big as my hand, right? I don't have big hands, everyone. I'm, like, I'm not human size. But anyway, it's a big... They, they, they're harmless, but they're big and they're hairy, right? So I saw the thing, so I grab it, right, off the wall... And I got it in my hand, and I yelled out to my daughter, can you just come here for a sec? Come here for a sec. I want to give you something. She comes in, what is it? And sort of just casually reached behind me and handed it to her, and she sees it, flips a microchip oh, right there. <laughs> She's nearly gone to grab this huntsman out of my hand. <laughs> oh, mate, it was gone. Ooh. Oh, it was gone. That's so Evil. cruel. I'll tell, you how, I'll tell you how karma came back at me. You'll like this one. And karma did come back at me. The next day, after doing this job at work, I've got this big, long pole with an extension uh, spider web brush on the end so look you know a pool cleaning pole an extendable thing and the and the sign's like four meters in the end i'm trying to brush the cobwebs off it and it's raining furry black spiders as i'm flicking it off right one goes straight down the back of my shirt and straight down my bum crack into my pants <laughs> and mate you've never seen anyone drop their dax faster than this <laughs> in the middle of a car, you mate. didn't get bitten no, no bitten on your backside no i didn't <laughs> so that was karma for I've me playing the practical joke with the huntsman Done. Yeah, don't do that again. That's mean. Done. That's mean. Yeah, they don't hurt you. They're just furry. They make you a lot of personality. Yeah, they're horrible. They're horrible. <laughs> they're horrible. They're bloody monstrous, you know. <laughs> no, you're no good with them? Oh, I don't, like, they're not too bad with spiders, but we we have a lot of snakes up, up our way. Ah, okay. Um, so I don't really like, like snakes. Yeah, no, no one likes snakes. Yeah, yeah. So spiders snakes are okay. Like I, snakes. Can, I, can, I can move a spider and get it out of the house, but with a snake, yeah, it's, you can't even... Give it a belt because it'll bite you. you know? Yeah, he's right. <laughs> we don't have, we don't have oh, too many. Yeah. I think I've only seen a couple. We had a little big lizard and stuff here, but mm. yeah, spot, we, we call them snakes. This is a very Australian um, podcast we're talking about right now, isn't it? From an Irishman. Yeah, yeah from an Irishman <laughs> to an Englishman. Because <laughs> no, my, um, you know, completely on the other side, because my brother lives in Queensland. And he tells me about the snakes. You know, you have to call somebody because they're blocking up the gutters on his house. So the guy goes up a ladder, picks it up, puts it around his neck, comes down because <laughs> it's that big, <laughs> puts it into a bag and takes it away. Whereas here, you know, you get a slow worm, which is kind of, you know, like six inches long. And you can't tell which end is which because you can't really see its eyes or anything. And you don't really see many of them. But our cat found a nest of them somewhere in the garden. So I would just be walking around the house and I would find a half-eaten one that's still moving. <laughs> and it would have a one end of it would be really bloody and it'd be just squirming around and you'd just like, oh, that's really gross. I'd have to pick it up, throw it out. And it just went on for days and days and days. I just think, where is she getting them from? And it was just some nest in the garden. Luckily, that's all gone now. I've cut down. That's where the garage is going to go. So oh, I've cut all the trees down. Good. This year, she's probably going to bring something else in. Let's hope it's not like a larger rat or something. No, your cats love doing that stuff. <laughs> cats love that stuff. Kids um, do, I don't. So, aircon, not working. Yes. Fortunately, you live in the UK, yes, so um, you need it two days a year. Uh, yeah, those two days is pretty vital, though. Yep. Um, because it's... Well, it's... Um, it just started hissing and humming and... I'm assuming that means because it's either empty or it's developed a leak. Um, it can't have developed a leak, but I did. I, I did. Pete, you're probably going to think what you're doing, you idiots. But about two years ago, I bought a refill can and one of those things that you just hook up yeah, and yeah. just fill it up. And it, and it was working absolutely fine. It stopped making that noise. Um, and then because I haven't used the car, suddenly I drove it yesterday and it started making that noise again. I've had it pressure tested probably about 18 months ago and it was fine. Um, and it's still, I know it still has pressure in it, but it started doing that. So I'm thinking I probably need to take it to a garage to have it properly refilled. Just get a regas. Um, Cause yeah. at the moment, yeah, it probably does need a proper regas. Um, and I should probably have it. So I don't know if you get it flushed or what, because um, previously when I bought it, it had a big, someone had jacked up, where the pipes go along the underneath. Okay. So yeah, one of the pipes was crushed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I had that pipe changed 
but I don't know how long that pipe was crushed, so how much moisture is in there and yeah. stuff like that. I just yeah. then went and got it regassed, and it worked fine for years. Um, so I'm wondering whether I need to go and have it flushed or get the O-rings changed or something. I don't know. Yeah, give it a good service. Just to be on the safe side. Give it a good service. Yeah. be good for another 15 years. Exactly. I think that <laughs> that's what I need. So another, another 160,000 miles, that'd be great. <laughs> that's what I'm on now. The... Um well, I spent three hours trying to get my driver's window in my 356 sorted on Saturday. It sort of hasn't been going up at the same angle as the um, the uh, tracks, you know, with yeah. the fluffy uh, seals and stuff in it, right? And one of the front fluffy seals, is all that's all munted and mm. bent and stuff, so I bought a new one, which turns out was a wrong one anyway. But... Um, I've got the whole door part. I'm looking at everything, trying to figure out where the which of the adjustable bits of this twin arm thing. It's not the cross thing like this. It's the dual arm thing goes up and down like this. Yeah. So yeah. mucking around with that for like hours, and finally discovered there was actually a bolt missing. So at some point it's fallen out. Right. <laughs> it wasn't in the door anymore. So I don't know where it's gone. And um, so anyway, got all back together. Working like a dream, but three hours of my life, I'm not getting back. I was hoping I've got to replace the speedo cable as well, but after that three hours, I was cured. You know, <laughs> I think I'll come back to that, <laughs> back to the speedo cable. But um, I'm, I'm going up to Geraldton this weekend. Um, to where? Geraldton. It's about 500 k's north of Perth for um, Easter. It's down the road. Yeah, yeah, just up there. It's up, up near Pete's place. Yeah, it's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> he lives halfway there. <laughs> and the um, the uh, we're going to take two cars because I'm going to stay an extra. My wife's got to come back a day earlier than I do, so I'm going to take the GD4 on a road trip. Nice. Oh, nice. Good chance to test out my uh, paint protection film. <laughs> yeah, nice drive up there. Yep. Yeah, so I'll. Uh, that should be an adventure. I'll tell you what, though. I think one thing I did notice, because t- when I took the 996 out and, you know, I wanted to give it the beans. Um, and because I haven't properly just been out for quite a while now where, you know, on a Sunday, you just wake up and go, I'm just going to go out for a really early drive. I haven't done that for, it feels like months. And when I did, because it had been flooding, we've had the winter, we've had the cold snap, we've had minus, you know, nine degrees. And, and now it's quite we're all, sort of in double digits and it feels tropical. Um, but I went out, the roads are horrific. Sometimes you just, you know, you just, our teeth are going to fall out because, the you know, you're in a car, low-slung car with hardly any give on the tyres or the suspension. The roads are just horrific and you don't want to drive very fast. You don't want to accelerate because you don't know when you're going to end up in a ditch somewhere. And I, I just, it's honestly so depressing when you have a car that you can go out for enjoyable drive but you take a wrong turn and you go oh come down this road it's a country lane it's beautiful the way it, you know weaves in and out of the countryside but then you realize hang on they haven't recovered this road in five years and it's horrific See, I hate it. that you must not get that in australia yeah no we definitely get it right we've got old roads and stuff that just never get maintained there's 100 percent there's we've got plenty of roads there but to me as well it sounds like you need a boys weekend over on the continent yeah, true. We do. It's not that far away for you. Do you know what? Um, people get this. Um, the news over here is full of people trying to drive to the continent and they're stuck in queues for days <laughs> because uh, Brexit, the gift that keeps giving, um, <laughs> there's, because there's new passport controls and border controls yeah. and obviously – School Easter holidays have started and oh. everyone just goes, I'm going to the continent and I'm going in my car. And they all got stuck in the queues of lorries. And it is a, it, apparently it's a, like a, the government has declared a major incident. Wow. And it's everyone's saying, oh, well, it's just normal stuff. And you think, no, this didn't happen before Brexit. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've said something political now. So people might come back to us and say, what are you talking about? That's just normal. I don't think it is. <laughs> I would love to go the continent though and i think um it would be nice to go you know drive into germany drive to stuttgart i don't know um 
I always feel like I'll probably end up on an autobahn and blow up my 996. Mate, that's what it's built for. I know, I do. And you know, before this winter, I used to regularly hit the rev limiter in second gear, first and second, just because there's a nice road that you can just turn onto. It's national speed limits to 70 miles an hour, and you can just completely wring its neck in first and second. And then just go, you know, in five seconds through the other gears and just cruise at 70 miles an hour. And it was, it's brutal when you hit the limiter. It is, it's horrible. It just makes you feel a bit sick. But if you can, I could really go through the revs and it was brilliant. And, you know, even though it's old, it's got tons of mileage, but it still just sounded glorious. I haven't done it in so long. And that road is now not as nice as it was. And I'm just thinking, where could, where could I go and do that? And it's normally on the ramp down to the... Like onto down to the motorway. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but then you know I'm on the motorway for like 15 miles, doing 70 miles an hour with speed cameras everywhere, and you just think I don't want to do that. I just want to go for a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I think. What part of Ireland you, did you live in? Uh, Cork. So Cove, it's like a little island south of Cork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's maybe 10 kilometers by six kilometers. It's pretty small. South of Rotnest. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty small. A lot of back roads, a lot of rally roads, bridges, laneways. And everyone knows everyone in Ireland that's small, so you know when the police are where they're spo- not supposed to be so you can go driving? Yeah, for sure, mate. Yeah, sure. Right, young, when we were young fellas, we used to play tip and chase in cars, you know. We'd buy a car for £25 at the time. And yeah. Again, tip and chase out the back of the island. And it was kind of accepted back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm very fascinated in driving that road along the west coast of Ireland it sort of runs the length of it that's got about 8 million bends in it yeah, yeah. and it uh, looks like you could die at any moment by yeah. careening off into off the cliff into the ocean that would be a curry way yeah yeah have you driven beautiful yeah heaps yeah. we've driven all around Ireland yeah, ma- okay. many times so they do really good rallies up there um, oh the country's nuts for it it's like the last bastion of our rallying is in Ireland isn't oh, it I love it mate. absolutely love it yeah it's a good sport. Yeah, good one. And um, I always think of I always think of Cork as um, remember I think of Cork. I don't know why because I've never been. And I think of it as lush and green with sea views from anywhere. <laughs> I don't know why. That's <laughs> my vision I get in my head when I think of Cork. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think they've uh, I think they had a tour de France start there back in the late nineties. Mm. Off memory. Anyway. The um, anything else exciting happening? Plans with the cars or anything coming up over Easter or anything casual? Uh, well, I was disappointed that I missed the West Berkshire Brewery Cars and Coffee yesterday because I didn't want to risk it with my high temperature and just in case I did have COVID, COVID or something. Yeah, sure. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, but there's another one coming up soon, and then there's a Bista Heritage Scramble happening later this month yeah uh, so i've got a ticket for that mm-hmm. um and there's a cars and coffee and watches events and watches. Uh, on instagram if you follow yeah um which is just down the road in village about 10 miles away um and it's organized by um a, a guy i know he's on instagram as my blue 912 and he's organized it and he always does really great posters to go with it and there's always a stack of them that you can just pick up one when you're there yeah yeah um so i'm looking forward to that that'll be interesting that's in may um but today is really sunny and i just walked down to the local village and i walked back and and all i could think was it would be great to be able to get my 912 out if it wasn't in storage or broken um i would have been great (laughs) it would have been the great to go out for a drive but it's it's obviously Peter doesn't know but it's left hand drive it's got the dog leg first no seat belts yeah. and you, you when you give it the full send the full beans and it's kind of almost you you feel like you want to scream along to the engine <laughs> <laughs> you're throttling the life out of it but the, the thing I love about it it does fully rev out so I love that so it kind of drives well but I, I do want to get uh, and I've been saying this for a while. The ignition one, two, three, the electronic ignition yeah, that you can set the, um, you can use the app to set stuff on it. Yeah. Um, but this month I can't afford it because my 
car ran out of road tax and the 911. And I only remembered when I went to go and get the key uh, to drive it yesterday, um, the reminder letter was next to the key. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to do the road tax on my phone, do it online really quickly. It's like 325 quid. Uh, do that before I could take it out. So that was a bit that was a bit disappointing. Um, but I do I do love going out for a blast when the weather's good in my 912. It's just you can't overtake anything because you're on the wrong side of the road. Uh, sorry, wrong side of the car. You're on the right side of the road. Correct side of the road, I mean. Um, but on the on the wrong side of the car. So if you're if you're behind a lorry or a bus or something, you just you know some mad people do it and they risk their lives by just pulling out to see if there's something coming. Uh, but no, I don't want to do that, especially with no seatbelts. Don't want to be doing. You need that. a good passenger. Um, I do, but no one's ever. My wife's been in the car once, and she was not complimentary about it. Um, <laughs> It was, uh, and it was where I gave her a, um, a lift somewhere. And you know, you get the when you're in a classic car, everybody waves. And so I'm driving along, and everybody's waving, and she's she's doing the classic. Who's that? I don't know. So man, you know, a group of cyclists walk past. I wave back at them. Who's that? I don't know. Guy on a Land Rover drive past, waves. I wave back at him. She goes, "Who's that?" I don't know. And when the third guy does it again, and she goes, "Who's that?" I'm like, I don't know. And she looked at me and went, you guys are fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) So so sometimes I I just feel like everyone says to me, I should film the journey in the car when I'm with my wife in the car. (laughs) Because if she's ever driving my 996, there's just the the language coming from her is all, she hates it. She hates that car. (laughs) And the language that she comes out with while she's driving it, especially if she has to look down at the gear stick, like you know, to see what the hell's going on down there. <laughs> the the words coming out of my mouth that you'd go, oh my god, no! I'm glad my children are in the car. <laughs> so uh, I, I might have to do that. I might have to see if she wants to drive the 912. It's highly unlikely, but it'd be great to, for her to drive it and to be able to film it and and not die in the process. Good decision. Mm. Good decision not die in the process. <laughs> Tell me, um, yep. Pete, the if money was no option, nor cost of maintenance, what Porsche car would you have? Um, Someone's buying it for you, and they're going to look after it for you forever. I'd love. You can have anything. I'd love a five fifty Spider. Ooh, yeah, guys got really some style about it. Yeah, I would love one. Of them. Yeah, strong choice. I've driven a lot of cars, like I can imagine over time. Mm-hmm. I've driven an awful lot of cars and. You know, the really fast GT3 RSs and all these pipe form, they're cool. Don't get me wrong, they're cool. But I like the classic kind of... I'm getting older too, I suppose. You know, if I was 20 years younger, I might want something a bit sure. more flash. But um, yeah, I'd like a 550 Spider. Yeah, or a 73 RS. You're about the same size as a 550 Spider. Yeah, I think maybe... The I'm tiny a, little cars are about the size I'm, of this table. I'm a bit bigger, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I mean, I... I, I I struggle to get into a sit comfortably in a Boxster, you know, nine eight six. Um, but I'd love to. I'd love to have a go in a. They just they just look like they just fit around you. They they're designed to fit around a human body. Uh, I'd love to have a go in one of those. And Mark, you and I have discussed this many times about when you drive an old car and you and you know the smell and the noise and especially that slight feeling of am I completely in control of what's happening down at the wheels? Yeah. Um, but it's I, I just love all of that. And you just, with those cars that you mentioned, Pete, the newer ones, the GT3, GT3 RS, Touring, whatever it might be, they're just, they're really sanitized, but they're also, they're just too fast. You can't get that sense of I'm going really fast. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm same as you. I'm always that when you're doing, you know, 50 miles an hour in a really old car, like a 550 Spider, and it feels like you're doing a million miles an hour. Yeah, it's exciting. Henry Catchpole also said 73 RS. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like them. I think with the with the oil filler tank in the side, um, it's got, I think it would only be yes. for six months in 72, I think. Yep, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I really do. Yeah, we, 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 have, we have big debates about Porsche. You know, when, when people are selling classic Porsches and they say, oh, it's a one-year-only thing, 
and and you know when you're sat there going, yeah, it's one year only because it was shit. Yeah, because <laughs> it was full of petrol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a stupid idea. That's why it's only one year. <laughs> because back in the seventies in America, people filled up your fuel for you into yes. the oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it, and it is that thing where everyone goes, oh, but it's that one year only, and you go, yeah, you're buying it because it's rare, not because it was a really good idea. I, I don't, I don't believe, I oh, sorry, I genuinely believe that they only changed it because of the Americans. Could be. Don't know. Yeah, must. Um, I uh, guess so. Is that was that the, a big, the biggest era, market at the time? That era. How many, how many Porsches went to California? It's like half production went just that state back in the 70s, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Mm. So I can tell you, it would have been them going, no, we don't like this, man. <laughs> Was it only left-hand drive yep. production as well? Or did it do right-hand drive production? I don't production? know. Good yeah. question. Yeah, Let's put it out to listeners. No, I think they uh, – I think they – well, they did the normal oil clapper There's actually a in right-hand drive. Perth, right? They did that. Oh, in Sydney, there's a few. Yeah, I've seen. I've definitely seen two or three here, right? Mm. But I don't know if they're factory right-hand drives or not. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Really, mm. I don't even think. I think Australia has. The, I think Australia has. Is it the biggest? The only ones I've ever seen where they're converted. Left-hand drive cars are converted to right-hand drive. I always, they always, the history always leads back to it was done in Australia yeah. from the ones that I've seen. And is that because there was a company there that did it and the no, and the rules around it were quite strict? No, it's just because of the um, – I, I, I suggest that the reason it doesn't happen in other places around the world is because a lot of those countries are very close to left-hand drive nations. We're not. Mm. You, know, like, yeah. you know, it's not like if – you, if you've got a left-hand drive um, 912, for example, Ashmael, and you want to – it's – and you want to go to the continent for a weekend, it's no problem at all. It's perfect, isn't it? Like, you know, this would yeah. be, you know, it, it's, it's made for it. Whereas, if, you know. You, yeah, assuming you get there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, here, there's nowhere to go to use it as a left-hand drive car, historically. Um, it's true, yes. Even a bit, I would say there's even a bit of um, stubbornness about it's got to be the way everything else is as opposed to whether it's better or worse so like my 356 mm. is a lefty and i really like driving a lefty you know i, I, I like the novelty i don't i still can't get my head on with you not want to overtake the car's that narrow and skinny right that you can sort of lean your head over and see <laughs> you can get it, there yeah right in an old in a 912 especially an early one like yours like yeah, it is in the, the road's so years. narrow though yeah but, yeah, but the road's so narrow, and you're normally stuck behind a tractor. Honestly, with you're, hay bales you're, you're on the back. poor excuses getting old. Now yeah. the <laughs> and the uh, reasons. So, but I think you're here. I don't like. I like shifting with the right hand. That's a novelty. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's, I find the left hand drive car's fine. I like them too. We every car that we took around the world was left hand drive, and we had oh, some challenges everywhere. So it was, I'll, I'll tell you something about the early cars, and I, this is definitely the case with yours too, Ashmal. I think the pedal box works better as a left-hand drive. The accelerator going into the, um, you know, and the with, and the, the clutch yeah, being on the better. on the tunnel. I, I think that they were definitely made to be left-hand drive cars. Yeah, they designed. Yeah, they designed as. Yeah, they designed as left-hand drive cars, and and also, um, I, I thought I would struggle with a left-hand drive car driving here, where we drive on the left. And because I've driven, obviously I've driven on the continent, left-hand drive cars, higher cars, there, it's sure. not a problem mm. because you're driving on the other side of the road and everything just feels correct on there. And when you're over here, I just thought it would feel weird, but it took about five minutes to get used to it. I don't know. Um, and yeah, exactly. And the, but the thing is, when I, when I think about those cars that were converted, especially the 911, 912s um, in Australia, it's, it's such a big change. It's, it's basically you're converting the car from the driver's seat forward because it's the, it's the, you know cutting out the dash because it's metal part of the body. You're cutting out the floor. You're cutting out the boot floor, the Definitely. petrol yeah, tank, wait, 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 the wait, steering. Wait, wait. And Peter, I'm sure Peter will back me up here. That's assuming they've done it properly. Yeah, that's, that's correct. A lot of cars now get converted back to left-hand drive. Yeah, like that, over here. nearly all the 356s that I know of that have been restored in the last 10 or 15 years here in WA 
They're going back. They've all been they've all been um, taken back to left hand drive. You know, from because in the nineties, I actually did a lot of work on three five sixes and nine elevens yeah, well. that are, that a um, a gentleman here in Perth in, imported a lot of cars. Like you would have imported 30, 40 cars over about a three year period yeah, well. from the states. Nine um, elevens and three five sixes. Well, they were worth nothing back then. Mm. You got to remember. And um, I did I did the gauge work and all the electrical to get everything. Yeah, like he'd bring okay. it in done, and I'd have to make everything work type thing. And yeah, yeah. yeah I, I did tons of cars for that guy. Yeah, well, yeah, there was a heap in Sydney as well, like oh. a lot of conversions in Sydney. Because I, mm, I, I always, because I always thought, um, why, why do you think they're cheap converting them back into left hand drive? Do you think it's a value thing? Is it yeah, original go, that it's worth more? Is that it? Yeah. Converted cars are worth nearly as little. As a UK import, surely not that little. If a car's been converted, seriously, Ashmal, it is sale proof just about. You know, you have to really, really want it. They're just, like it's a twenty percent effect on a value, if not more. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense to go for No one like, buys them, you know. Wow, is it? Cause, um, you remember when we had Brian on from Rent Vehicle Design, yeah. and he said that genuine right-hand drive Porsches over here have a forty percent premium on them. Yep. Um, and so you know, and and obviously when you buy one, and it needs restoration. It's it's been here for fifty years, so it's rusted to hell. Yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> it needs half of it chopping out and redoing. But I'm I'm always stunned by the difference in value over in Australia. Because the of, stuff because that's of been rust, yeah. converted, because yeah, of good good metal in the mm, yeah, wow, yeah, absolutely. Because because when I um when I bought my I had an MGB nineteen sixty eight MGB Roadster that I bought, which had been imported back from the US, and uh, it needs to be restored. And I remember just buying for for about three hundred pounds, I bought an old rusted UK version. And I took the wiring, and all it needed was the wiring, the dash, uh, the steering rack, the steering column—not uh, steering column, just the steering rack—and um, and you could do it just like that. That was it, and, mm. and everything else just you took off and bolted onto the other side because, uh, much like the horses, they were made. Beatles. Yeah, they were made as right hand, right hand drive cars, and then they just put everything. They built it. So all shells could take everything on both sides. So you just unbolted stuff and put it on the other side, and it was done. Loads of the early American stuff. If you look at early T-Birds and Corvettes, that yeah, it's mirror image just about of the dash and everything. It looks like you're just unbolting under there type thing. Same with um yeah old um old uh, Citrons and Peugeots. Yeah, it's yeah. really obvious that they made it for both markets, and yeah, you know, in anticipation of actually someone wanting to buy them in those markets, but. When you look at you know the uh, the how technical it is these days, like if you buy a car that was built in the last ten years for a conversion, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that, they charge out. fortune for it because there's companies that do it over here. You know, when for like American imported, you know, big Rams, yeah, big Rams and, and TRXs or, or um, Mustangs and that type of thing. You know, so yeah, I, I don't know the. For the modern cars, I'd take my hats off for those guys. Can you imagine the work that's going into doing those yeah, conditions? But even still, why would you want one? Yeah, no, it's... it's yeah, exactly. But it was the dollar value. Yeah, just getting ago. it converted. So people used to buy them in and mm -hmm. convert it from left to right hand drive, but there's a lot of botch jobs. Oh, you mate. Know, I've seen some, some terrible ones. Like, yeah, I've too. Yeah, it's awful. I've, like, there's, I, I remember seeing in a magazine, an old Aussie uh, magazine from the 70s, where... To do a left-right conversion, I think it was on Mustangs. They sold this kit, and what it did, instead of running to the steering box under the dash, it had like this a pulley. A pull. It was literally <laughs> a pulley that went across to the other Jeez. side under the dash for when you move the steering wheel over, rather than yeah, yeah because there's some sort of pitman arm or something that's really unique for <laughs> right-hand drive Mustangs or something like this. I don't know. I can't remember the exact detail, but I'm looking at going. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want a car that had that in it, you know. And it's and also the kit had the that pulley thing and also had the pedals hung from it. 
with a thing that went over and pushed the pedals on the other side oh, when wow. you wow. we just cut the pedals off, but the top half of the pedals is still up there. Oh, so that's the, my, I oh, had wow. uh, VW Scirocco, VW Scirocco Mark 1 yeah. uh, Storm, and I, I love that thing. And that, I remember always thinking, why the brakes so rubbish? But it was because the servo was on the other side. Yeah. It was still made for, as a left-hand drive car, and it just had this, you know, kind of linkage system for the brake pedal. And when you pressed it, it obviously <laughs> you had to go through all these links to get across to the other side, and it, and all the bushes had gone in that in, in all the linkages, and it was impossible to change. You had to get under the dashboard or get under the rain tray and get all the wiper arms out just to get to it to change those linkages. But it was because it was made as a left-hand drive car, and then they just went, "Oh, we can't be bothered to move <laughs> move the brake servo across to the other side because there's no space, so we'll just we'll just break the system." We only need awful. to make one thousand of them anyway. That would have been they? whatever the number was. It would have been significantly less than the number they made in left-hand drive, you know, to go yeah. for the rest of the Oh, world. God, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because the wipers on those early VWs, the wipers always went the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Because they never got changed. That's that's what was good about the Beetle ones. They, well, the wipers were 180, so it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Not hand-cranked. Yeah. <laughs> All right, all right then, as well as uh, I reckon we wind her up, has uh, anything anything else you'd like to contribute? Um, well, now that it's, not to talk about the weather again, but now that it's sunny, as you can see me basking in the sun in front of the window, it's not uh, fake light. And I'm uh, looking forward to hopefully driving not only my 996 a lot more, um, but also getting the 912 out and maybe buying a new pickaxe to do more digging. Make a noise. Uh, and maybe just just reaching out to Henry Catchpole again about <laughs> the mechanical pickaxe that's going to just revolutionise how yeah, I dig up my garden. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the, again, not to talk about the weather, a couple of nights ago, I think it was Friday night actually, it rained here for the second time this year. I know. My daughter came what? into my room yeah, it's, <laughs> at 4 a.m. and she said, Daddy, it's raining. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, we're at the start of April and it rained for the second time this year, Ashma. That is nuts. I think we've had a bit something like that, but it second, probably the first time this year, it didn't rain yesterday or today. But although yesterday we're only halfway through the day, so you never know. Yeah, it's true. Well then, mate, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Pete, for your time today. Thank Amazing you. to uh, hear Pete. about these uh, expeditions. We might have to lock ourselves in. We will. I'm going to plan on doing well, some myself in the next few years over in Australia, over here. Yep. So that's the plan, get a fleet of cars and do it again. Yeah, sounds like fun. Mm. Hang on, we haven't said Pete's garage name. Yeah, he's just always at the start. If you had been paying attention, <laughs> purely Porsche. I thought I thought. Porsche would have ended. Porsche, well, uh, okay, that's good. Gonna, oh, no, we have to make sure to get that. It'll be linked in the details of the podcast. In fact, we might even just use it for the title of the podcast. Oh, it's it crazy. Could, oh, it could be like run like hell to purely Porsche. <laughs> to purely Porsche. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. All right, then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for your time. Do please think about uh, checking out Kuawi because they support us. See you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.